been far from a classic but Aberdeen have done exactly everything right from this beautifully inside Watson oh the bar Scanlon yes what a marvellous goal to finish this match they have won Alec Ferguson is on now in the penalty area there he's in Aberdeen have definitely won the championship can you blame the man for going out of his mind temporarily Hello there and welcome to the latest episode of the By The Minute AFC podcast. Delighted to have you back with us again. Uh, we have a packed show for you this evening. Um, firstly, I want to uh, welcome back to the podcast, man who's a semi-regular on here, um, the, the stats guru himself, we have Tom Watt. How you doing, Tom? Very good, thank you very much for having us on. It is, it's a pleasure to have you back. And as always, I'm joined this evening by Richard. Hey, how are you doing, Richard? I'm okay, thanks, Martin. Good to hear from you. Uh, but we're going to start off now by talking about some of the club's transfer business. Uh, we've seen a few players come in over the window. Um, the more recent ones we'll talk about here. Um, we've seen Freddie Woodman come in on loan from Newcastle, a 20-year-old goalkeeper. And we've seen a 21-year-old Sam Cosgrove signed from Carlisle on a two-and-a-half-year deal. Obviously, Freddie Woodman has just been signed on loan till the end of the season. He seems to be quite a talented young goalkeeper. He won the Golden Glove at the Under-20s World Cup. But we've obviously seen him play one game so far. What were your first impressions of him? Well, it's very hard to gain too much insight into how he'll do it. Probably based on the Hamilton game, uh, he had one thing to do, uh, a decent enough save with his feet when Hamilton broke through. It uh, wasn't brilliant with the ball at his feet, but the pitch was um, in quite poor state on Saturday. And I know major uh, calamities as a result of his kicking so certainly past marks for Saturday I think the question with Woodman obviously is what it says about Danny Rogers and it's difficult really to to answer that question without knowing a lot of the stuff that might have gone on behind the scenes with Danny Rogers you know has Danny Rogers already made it clear to Derek McInnes that he's not going to sign on again next season because you know with the best will in the world even if he did sign on even even if he did play every game in the next two months and play magnificently he would still be behind Joe Lewis in the pecking order if he was to sign on again next year and without knowing how he how he is in training every day and I know there's a world of difference between uh, how you perform in training and how you perform in first team matches especially when you're a young player but again that's not something we're party to it's not something we see a lot of um, questioning about whether Dirk McInnes is using enough of our youth and this may be being a situation but on the other hand don't we want the sort of best players in our first team is Dirk McInnes' job about the long term future of the club and making sure that there's a pathway from the youth to the first team or is it to win football matches Freddie Woodman is uh, at short notice a, a, a good signing a guy with SPFL experience you know one of the things that came out of uh, the um, black and gold uh, season ticket holders discussion with Derek McInnes last night was there was there was some other SPFL interest in Woodman just as the transfer window was closing uh, so I you know I think uh, they're quite happy to have him at Petardry and uh, whilst I think publicly the notion is that there's still a fight for the number one spot between Woodman and uh, Rogers I think until Joe Lewis uh, makes it back 
into the first team, I think we'll see Freddie Woodman there. Tom, we've signed Sam Cosgrove, a 21-year-old from Carlisle on a two-and-a-half-year deal. Now, he's still a young player, um, and there's been a little bit of a bit of mirth going on about him. He's, he doesn't have a, a great scoring record. He's um, So far, he's only got one goal in 33 appearances. I doubt any of us have seen his loan spells at Barrow, Chorley, or I think it was North Ferriby or something like that. He's clearly going to be the kind of target man, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're quite right to suggest that um, we've not seen him at Barrow um, or in the, in the English lower leagues. Um, I think we could probably we probably could gather up our Facebook friends and there'd be about the same amount of people in the crowd that have seen him uh, you know, in, the, in the English lower leagues. Um, it is a kind of puzzling one for, for given, the, given the level he's been at and the lack of goals he's scored. Um, and only, people can only really go on... on the stats really, um, but obviously, I doubt McKenna sees something in him. He's a big guy, um, and you know, as a youth player, he certainly had quite a you know, he, he, he was a former Everton um, graduate, played for Wigan for a bit, so you know, he must have caught the eye at some in the recent history for, for someone who knows what they're talking about. I mean, it was one of those ones when the when the rumours started swirling around. It was one that um, personally I dismissed immediately. There's been a couple of weird rumours that come from Carlisle in the last couple of years about uh, uh, transfers to Scottish clubs, and I assumed it was another one of those because it didn't seem to be a position we were screaming out for. But you know, he, he was straight in the, the under twenties and looks like he's a he's a project. You know, if he if he's got the technique that he seems to say he has in, in, in interviews, then you know maybe the, maybe there is a, a rough diamond that can be polished up there. It is a little concerning the Carlisle fans were. Let's just say they weren't disappointed to see the back of him, which which is a slight concern. But you know, a, a player that's only only 21 years old, um, he's a big guy. He's, he's got a physical presence. He offers theory, something that we don't have in the squad already, and. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll give him give him an opportunity. Well, this is obviously one that Michael Grant kind of signposted when he was with us last week that uh, Derek McInnes had made mention of the fact that he was looking for that kind of player to supplement his squad with, and I think with Cosgrove you've got someone who's going to come in pretty much at the bottom of the Pataudry pay scale, someone who'll be happy enough just to play a, a bit part, thinking of taking him away and actually getting option off the bench only tattooed on his forehead in case Derek McInnes gets ideas like he did with Jaden Stockley clearly his uh, scoring record today is a concern uh, but you have to assume that he's been thoroughly scouted again it was one that was intended to happen in the summer but uh, for a number of reasons they've moved it up and I'm not sure how much we'll see him in the first team uh, between now and the summer uh, with obviously Stevie May and uh, Nicky Maynard ahead of him in the pecking order as things stand. You obviously mentioned uh, Jaden Stockley there. So, uh, Richard, I will ask, which side are you taking it on? I mean, is, is he just a young player that's got something to prove? Um, he's coming from a he's coming from a league where, where Jaden Stockley scored 15 goals this season. Let's just hope he's on the he's on the side of a young player finding his feet. Uh, well, again, I th- I think the fact that he's coming in low on the pay scale is a cheap, different option to what we have. You know, again, it might be argued when you look at what we might have in youth and reserve. Conor McLennan seems to be quite a well-built guy. Maybe he might be an option to promote to the first team ahead of uh, Sam Cosgrove. But again, we're speaking with such limited knowledge about what 
Cosgrove himself can bring to the table. We all would like to see signings of the highest caliber, the highest profile, just in the same way that, you know, if we wanted a, somebody at left back, if we had unlimited finances, we probably wouldn't pick Andy Considine, but we don't have unlimited finances, and Andy Considine's done a pretty good job at left back throughout the seasons. So we have to, to use a delightful phrase, pitch with the cock we've got, and <laughs> yeah, if there's uh, going to be four strikers in the squad, then the chances are that that fourth striker has got to be a young, raw talent who might turn into something. A project, as Tom quite rightly put it. And I mean, we're obviously adding those two to Niall McGinn, uh, Devlin and Nukali. Uh Tom, are, well, are we as happy with the transfer window for Aberdeen? I think we're, we're reasonably content. Um, I mean, I think there's Rangers have obviously strengthened the squad, even if that doesn't necessarily seem to have done much for their ability to play against Hibs. But um, they, they've looked to have come on a long way, but there are a lot of teams that look significantly weaker than they did a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Celtic didn't particularly strengthen. They've had a couple of injuries. They do look a, a much weaker squad than they did six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. Um, I think we look a more balanced squad. Certainly, um, the players that come in and out just seem to be... It just, just seems like we, we do have a, a few more options. We've got a, a bit more obvious width with McGinn. Uh, looks like we've got a, a player who could come in and play the final part of the season. The idea of you know McKenna and Devlin playing together potentially um, for the last couple of um, months of the season does seem so, to seem you know that that in theory seems like a pretty pretty good partnership in theory. Um, I think we can say that we've come out of it stronger. Yeah, I mean I think now McGinn returning must be one of the best bits of business any club has done in the window. Um, he's come back, hit the ground running and looks like the proverbial new player but I mean he just looks so much fitter than he has for years you know the last, the last 18 months he barely had a break um, in football because of international matches and uh, championships and obviously our qualifiers starting earlier um, so I think just the fact that he was brought in alone makes makes it a very very successful transfer window yeah, I think there's that, and I think the Kenny McLean deal as well. I think that's um, that's very much a win-win for us, uh, really, that outcome. Uh, we get a guy who, who now has his future sorted. He doesn't have that hanging over him. As much as we've criticised him on here for not contributing enough direct goals or assists, especially when he's played that number 10 role, he would definitely have been lost to the way the side's set up now. He does seem to... I mean, maybe it's just the, the quality of opposition we've had, but it does seem like... Now that his future's decided and he knows where he's going to be, he seems to have relaxed and be playing like, at least in the last two games, and again, albeit against limited opposition, but be playing like a player who should be playing for a club hoping to play in the Premier League. Just to touch on what you said earlier as well, Richard, um, we've seen a couple of the guys who are on the fringe, we'll call it, say, the fringes of of the matchday squad or the starting 11s and uh, Tanzi and Frank Ross head out on loan to Ross County and Morton. Uh, Bruce Anderson has gone to Elgin, Harlan and Bayo has gone to Albion Rovers. Uh, you mentioned earlier about obviously it is really about winning games so these guys who maybe aren't going to be seeing much much first team action or much first team football um, it's important that these guys get out and get some game time. I mean I know you mentioned that uh, they spoke about Tanzi last night as well at the Q&A. 
Yeah, I, I'm not going to go into too much detail on, on to what was said there. Um, what I will say is Bruce Anderson apparently is back at the club, as is Conor McLennan. Both currently injured, but, um, you know, potentially, obviously, in and around the club and able to feature as the second half of the season goes on. We've spoken here about Greg Tanzi before, and we've maybe insinuated that his Petrosi career was pretty much over. And I think if Ross County do stay up, I think it sounds like the deal's in place to make that loan move permanent. So the other the other young guys, Frank Ross, yeah, he was getting minutes here and there. But yeah, Championship a team who have got realistic targets this season for finishing in the playoffs. Could be a very good loan move for him. He needs game time. A lot of potential talent over the last few years seems to have been maybe wasted by not having right loan moves at the right time. I'm thinking of Cammy Smith being a pretty good example. And Frank Ross was another of those who this season has been on the bench most weeks but not really getting any game time. And you could say the same about Scott Wright. I'm actually quite surprised, especially given Liam McGinn came back, that Scott Wright hung around the squad. I mean, he didn't, didn't even make the 18 on, on Saturday, um, if I recall correctly. So that could be injury-related. We don't know. But it's at a time of his career where he does, I think, need to be showing. Again, he needs to be showing it on the training field as well. But he needs to be getting game time and showing what he can do in competitive action, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd echo that. I think, given the, the rumoured interest from St Johnston, which just seemed to be a perfect fit for him, you know, they're crying out for wide players. He'd be playing at the level he'd be expected to be playing next season. Um, you know, we know from experience that there's a, a decent enough relationship there from the fact that Peter Pollock came back a significantly better player than, than he left. Um, and just you know, four or five months of first team football, week in, week out, would bring him on leaps and bounds. Now that we have you know a, a pretty deep selection on the bench for and, and quite fierce competition for where he's um, where he can play, then it's hard to see how he's going to get regular starting spots and you know even a fraction of the amount of time that he would have got had he gone out on loan. So. You know, he's obviously a great option to have on the bench, but for his long-term development and to have for him to become the player that he looks like he could potentially become, he does need minutes. We're going to move on now. We'll talk about the first of our games we're going to speak about tonight, the Ross County game. Uh, went up there and we won 4-2. Well, we blew them away within with three goals in seven minutes in the first half. There was some horrific defensive mistakes from them there, not just not just from their keeper as well. They were they were very weak as well. But we spoke last week about you know that service the service for Rooney getting those balls in a McGinn cross a Rooney goal. Um, it's like the time machine works, isn't it? I looked into this a little bit actually and he doesn't have as many goals from Niall McGinn direct assist as you might imagine. It's certainly half <laughs> as many as he had from, from Johnny Hayes. Uh, I, from my rough calculations, I had him on I think nine before last. Uh, Is that all? Well, yeah, nine from, what, what's he on now? Uh, 80 odd for the club. So um, it, a little bit surprising. I think Johnny Hayes was on like 20. That's but you know. <sighs> Um, that was quite exceptional. From, we had a couple of years of quite exceptional numbers from Johnny Hayes. I think you have to have to remind yourself just how much he, he gave to us, uh, especially last season. I mean, it was a strange game. It was actually fairly even, I thought, until we got the first goal. Um, and we had a little bit of luck there as well. The Kenny McLean shot takes a deflection. 
but we certainly didn't look back once we got the opener. And um, yeah, that that third goal in particular was a, was a really lovely bit of play. A great ball from Considine over the back, uh, over the top. Navigan catches it, and yeah, just that that pace on the ball into a really great area. That's uh, that is something we've been truly lacking this season. And you, you get those balls in the box, you'd not want barely anybody else in this league to be in there to finish it. I don't think it's any exaggeration to say if Hibbs currently had Adam Rooney, they'd probably be miles ahead in second. Am I being greedy here, Tom? Is it um, is it greedy for me to say that we should have had more goals at half time? No, not at all. I mean, I think we they they completely deflated the moment that um, you know the moment we opened scoring. They just they looked like a side that were in very very serious trouble. Um, you know, they they couldn't put passes together. Their heads dropped, and they just. They completely wilted. We had a couple of very good chances. Um, you know, even when we went when we went four 0 up, um, the, there were a couple more chances again that we, we could have extended the lead and you know maybe clawed back some of the goal difference um, the Rangers currently have on, on us at the moment. So I, I don't think it's being at all really. I think we could have punished the side that were completely asleep and were there for the taking to. You know, to, to really bulk up our goal difference, we we switched off in the end, and as a result, a game that should have been at least a four 0 didn't look half as comfortable as it should have been. And you know, it was it was quite slack, and um, ultimately at the end, which is which is a little disappointing. But no, I certainly don't think it's crazy to suggest that we should have been a bit more ruthless. It's actually not so much that. You know, we lost those two goals. They, they were both really quite bad goals to lose as well. Both times, really, the central defender should be a lot stronger, is eased off the ball for the first header, and both times, I think the our reaction of uh, both the keeper and or the other centre half isn't good enough. Um, Rogers comes out for the first one and then doesn't really do anything. You know, he just stands there and watches. It's a nice finish from Schalke, absolutely, as it is for the second. But I, I would question whether Danny needs to go out for the second. He might have been better served letting Anderson see him wide, Arneson see him wide, and um, try and cover the shot from his line. But yeah, it's a little bit picky, but. Really, these are these can be the sort of margins that dis- decide second and third, or or maybe even if things don't pan out as we hope uh, for the rest of the second half, third and fourth, which could be the difference between European football and no European football. And we obviously can't second guess what the manager thinks, Richard. But um, the, the like you said, the sloppiness there from Rogers for that goal. Do you think that's maybe what made made Derek McGuinness's decision for him in picking Freddie Woodman for the next game? Uh... I'd be surprised if that decision was made just on the back of one half of football or or a couple of decisions, to be perfectly honest. We'll move on to the the Hamilton game now as well. And as we mentioned earlier on and just there, Freddie Woodman started. I think it was a fairly dominant performance from Aberdeen, Tom. Without us ever really getting out of second gear, Hamilton were missing so many players. We spoke about it last week where they've released or they've sold... Uh, six players that were missing. That's not including injuries as well. Uh, and they really, you got the feeling that they were kind of they were the teams who came here for a point. Probably one of the, the style of performance that we've got used to against some of the lower teams. Probably not so much against Hamilton actually in, in recent years. But um, it was very comfortable. We could have scored more without breaking too much sweat. And they were, you know, they were either made to look or they, they were very, very poor. They look like a side that is lacking ideas and they look like a side that could have done with 
a bit more uh, a, a bit bulking out in the in the transfer window. Um, yeah, they looked like they were set up to come for a point, but they never really looked like like getting it. I mean, I, I actually one thing I will say for for Woodman is I thought that while he didn't have a huge amount to do in in saves or um, you know didn't have too much difficulty uh, posed directly by the Hamilton players. I thought there were a couple of times when they tried to physically intimidate him. They tried to stand on his feet at corners and um, and at free kicks. And, you know, he dealt with that quite easily. He came through a crowd of players uh, to take a couple of balls. I mean, and, and that's something from a, from a fairly limited attacking threat that they had. Uh, but I, I think it's quite difficult to say very much about Hamilton at all. But we were pretty cohesive. We, once we got ahead, it was just a matter of how many we were going to score. Could have scored more. Uh, and, you know, on to the next one. Yeah, the first goal in these games is always absolutely critical. And, you know, when it came, it wasn't a thing of beauty. But all credit to Andy Considine for reacting very, very sharply and finishing well. Um, and I think once that goes in... The second half in particular, they posed something of a threat in the first half. Uh, they were they had a coherent plan, certainly, uh, even if it was only the one time they really broke on us, and that was after robbing Kenny McLean a bit cheaply. But uh, second half was pretty much total domination by Aberdeen, without maybe creating that many clear-cut chances. I thought, uh, I thought Shea Logan had one of his best games for, for quite a while. Um, I think that's... I think you know. I think he's perhaps suffered more than most um, in, in terms of what he's capable of, given the fact that uh, Johnny Hayes and, and now McGinn have left. He's had to do a lot more defensively. I thought he, uh, he was very good. Um, but yeah, again, now McGinn just looked fresh and up for it, and and caused them no end of problems. A couple of really good goals, an excellent striker's finish from Andy Constant for the first one. You know. Um, I thought for a minute he was on for another hat trick, but no. Um, <laughs> a, a, a very solid performance, and exactly the sort of uh, exactly the sort of performance and, and um, when we needed for uh, to open up a bit of a gap, given the result that happened at Ibrox earlier on. Yeah, there was that. Uh, that we got a free kick. Uh, after Constantine had scored a second, which was broadly in the same place where. Andy had got his hat-trick goal at Dens Park from, and uh, I think there was, a, there was a real hope from the crowd that uh, history would, <laughs> would be repeating itself, but as it turned out, Ryan Christie fired at miles over the bar instead. Shea Logan points an interesting one. Yes, he's, he's as well as Adam Rooney, he's another one that's really benefiting from, from Nam again coming back and just getting back into that old routine. I think Ryan Christie's benefited as well. It's taken some of the, the, the burden off his shoulders as being as being the main creative force. To bring up the point of Andy Constant, he got his two goals on, on Saturday, uh, which is great. And yeah, there's, there's no question that some games this season... Players have given him a tough match, a really tough night, and he's looked exposed at times. But the same has happened on the other other flank with Shea Logan as well. Anyone who thinks that Graham Shinney is going to be moved over to left-back and have a long run at left-back instead of Andy Considine hasn't really been watching us very closely over the last couple of seasons. Additionally as well, not only has he missed Johnny Hayes in front of him, but... Because Mark Reynolds isn't really playing very often at centre-half, we've got a very, very slow pairing at centre-half, and I think that's really exposing more Andy Considine's lack of pace. His limitations are being more exposed because of the limitations elsewhere on the pitch now. 
And additionally, I think for both fullbacks this year, you've got Ryan Jack's gone. The, def- the midfield pairing is different this year. I'm not quite sure we cracked it with regards to the sitting midfielder. I think at times they can both find themselves dragged just that bit too far forward. All the positions in the team, I think it's uh, probably the fullbacks that have, that have suffered the most this season, to be honest, from, from the ins and outs uh, over the past uh, nine months. I think that's something that the, the manager will probably try to identify uh, in the summer as well. I think that you're quite right to say that um, I don't think Graham Shinney's got much chance of ever having a kind of run at left back, Richard. One one thing just to wrap that up there, I think it was another, star, we mentioned earlier on, it was another star performance. The manager spoke post-match about Neil McGinn and said how he was, you know, at, at the end of last season, um, he was a completely different player. He was tired, whereas now he comes, he's came back. Uh, he's clearly got a burst of energy. He looks motivated, which was a, wor- a word he used. I thought was was a bit was per- not perhaps strange, but surprising. Uh, and we really are seeing at the moment. We're seeing the best in Elm again. And this is going to be there's what I think twelve matches to go. This is going to be really important. He's going to be I think probably our focal point moving on for the rest of this season because he's the guy who can play every game. Ryan Christie can't, can he, Tom? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think. I've seen now again smile on the pitch more in the last three weeks than in the last six years. Uh, he, he looks relaxed. He looks incredibly confident. He looks very happy where he where he is and where he's playing. He looks delighted to be back. Um, and you know we've really seen what we've been missing, and you know not just necessarily for the last six months. He's been a great player for. A, a number of years, and especially his delivery and, and his dead balls, and occasionally, a, a, you know, a moment of brilliance. But I think we've seen someone who has had a chance to recharge his batteries inadvertently. It didn't work out the way he wanted in Korea. Meant he didn't get enough off playing time, but he has come back without having put his body through an awful lot of wear and tear. And he's probably had the longest spell without sustained amounts of football since, you know, he was in his very early 20s uh, and certainly since um, he, he arrived at Aberdeen. So I think we, we do have, like I said, that, that proverbial um, completely new player that even from last season he looks like a very, very... Um, he doesn't look... Like towards the end of last season, I think he was starting to get a little jaded. There were a couple of games when he was rested... When, you know, even in games when we might have looked at a player who can change games like, like he could and, and decided not to use him. But he, he just looks, he's looking for the ball, he's running at people, he's taking pot shots from all angles and some of them are going in. He's trying things that other players don't and he's made a really positive impact on three or four players as we've touched on already. And, you know, so it's, it's not just what he's done individually that gets you off your seat, but the impact he's had on some of the players around about him has, has been really, really palpable. So, you know, a, a huge player and a huge player for the runner. You know, I think he's someone who maybe, through various points in his Aberdeen career, apart from that first season when he scored obviously 20 playing up front, that he has been overshadowed on occasion, whether it's been because Adam Rooney's been scoring the goals or because Johnny Hayes has been getting the headlines on the other wing, but he's been a tremendous player for Aberdeen and getting him back was such a great piece of business. Again, not just because it added to what we can do, but because his other potential destinations were Hibs and Hearts. And that was something that Derek McKenna's reiterated last night, that 
they pushed the boat out, those two teams, to try and get him to sit on Edinburgh on his return from Korea. But uh, it's a really good bit of business to get him back. And um, I, I've been surprised, actually, by how well he's he's just fitted back in and how, how much of a joy that he's bringing uh, to the team at the moment, to be honest. I think it's really interesting in a lot of ways that you know a lot of people have highlighted ourselves and Stephen Thompson highlighted the BBC website that is one of the one of the deals of the transfer window. He's got the most assists in the history of the the, the short history of the, the Scottish Premiership, and you know in, in several of the last seasons has had ten goals and ten assists in all competitions. But he, he, just what he adds to the team going forward and would potentially add to any other team is huge and I think even though people have gone yeah great bit of business it's a you know it's a pretty epic bit of business you would have improved any side and I could you know the ones that are positioned above us Oh, I think I can. I think we can all agree that we're all delighted to have him back, and um, long may long may his form continue for Aberdeen Football Club. We are going to talk now about them. Earlier on this week or late last week, the club released a survey for the fans, um, asking various questions, various uh, looking for various opinions. Um, some about the new stadium, some about some other things as well. Um, I just uh, want to have a few questions on this for you guys um, some of the questions were for example about attending the new stadium uh, things like would you be inviting new fans things you would want to see and there was quite a lot, the options were left open for that um, things you would like to see ha- to happen at games whether it be you know, and you've got all the kind of different things you could come up with uh, safe standing is obviously one that's going to be a big thing Tom and then they also discussed a membership scheme as well which is something I think we've seen at some other clubs um, where you could financially contribute um, I think the phrase they used would be um, fin- contribute financially and influence key decisions within the club this is obviously something the club um, aren't taking aren't taken lightly they're looking some would probably say the membership scheme is they're looking for some sort of investment, uh, but they're they're really looking to try and get this new stadium right, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, you know credit to them for uh, at least um, opening up and having a, a line of dialogue with with the fans. I think there's always going to be cynical people who suggest that you know you're pumping your you pay your money at the door, you pay your money for your merch. Why should you pay more for influencing decisions in inverted commas? Um, but I think the fact that they've tried to be inclusive, they've tried to ask people what they want, so there's at least some consideration being given to the idea of a safe standing, se- uh, safe standing section. Say that very, very carefully. <laughs> um, I, I think it's, it's very positive that so quickly after the, the news on the stadium a couple of weeks ago, they've moved to say, right, okay, we've got over that um, that hurdle. Let's listen to what you've got to say about it. Let's listen to what you want from this. I mean, obviously there is a business side to this. They do want to gauge the possibility. Some of the some of the numbers that have been quoted for potential uh, um, average attendances when they move are slightly on the ambitious side, you might say. So obviously they're they're trying to build a business case for whether. I mean, one of one of the key points in it is uh, one of the key points that was raised was. Sometimes when teams move, their attendances go up, and obviously that happened with Sunderland being a really good example when they were sitting right, the stadiums jumped up. Seems like a very long time ago now for Sunderland fans. Um, and obviously they're trying to gather some kind of indication of 
as to whether current fans were, are more likely to bring family members or, or try and cajole their colleagues or, or other uh, other friends along to get some sort of idea of whether they'll be able to have a have a bigger attendance um, once once the stadium's up and running. But I think it's very positive that at least they are listening. I mean, I am slightly uh, uh, there's a slight reservation with that about what happens as a result of that, what results we see published, and after that publication, what we act on. But certainly, I think so soon after um, there being news about the, the uh, possible move and um, looking likely to go ahead, um, they've moved to kind of make sure the fans understand it. Just last week, we lamented the fact that there had been a lack of engagement around the move itself. Certainly to my eyes, seen as the vision of not necessarily Aberdeen Football Club as a as us, but as Stuart Millen's vision to move to this out-of-town location. So, so at least we are getting some form of engagement from the club now to gauge where we're at, to gauge... You know what people want from this stadium. There's obviously an inbuilt bias to some of the questions. You would you would expect that the membership scheme. If they're trying to recreate what Hearts or what indeed's happening at Motherwell, without the prospect of ownership as an ultimate end goal, it's going to be quite difficult to to reach those same levels. Indeed, Hearts really, let's be honest, are only a only at the level that they are because they had an extinction level event basically which meant that everyone rallied to the cause. Discounts of red TV are not going to be quite the same carrot for people to uh, put away extra money every week or every month. Certainly the club should be exploring these options because uh, 50 million is a lot of money to find I suppose. When it comes to some of the specific questions on there Obviously, they look at um, safe standing. Would we like a safe standing section? Yeah. An essential, as far as I'm concerned. And not just a section, it should be an end. There should be one end of any new stadium, which is like the beach end. It becomes the place where if you want to make a racket, you go there. It should be next to the away supporters. The police won't like that. But ideally, that's what should be happening for atmosphere. And I think we should try and find some way, and again... I can't imagine the police being terribly happy about this, but we should try and push for a way in which it's not all, for example, season ticket holders and you're not stuck in the same seat every week, sat beside the same people. If some of your mates don't get season ticket holders but want to come every so often, there should be space in that stand that you can just pitch up on the day and you take you know, whatever section or area is available. Some of those things might be possible, some of those things might not be possible, but there are things to do with off-seater stadium which in themselves create a sort of sterile atmosphere and we've got to do as much as we can I think to, to push back against that. I think you make a really good point there Richard about the safe stand and uh, when I was at the, the Don supporters together had their AGM the club's planner uh, Raymond Edgar I think it is was there and one of the things he did say was that if there, if there is enough demand for it the club that are pro safe standing, which I was—I'll be honest—I was quite surprised to hear. Um, I didn't think they would be so—they would be so um, firm about it, and I didn't think we'd have got a, an answer. To be totally honest, we've had sort of things said about the stadium as well. Um, I totally agree with the the standard being behind the goal as well. No bother in telling you that one of the things I filled out on the the features you would like to see was I'd like to see the away fans. It seems to be they're going to be put behind a goal, which I'm not a fan of. I'd like to see them tucked away in a corner. 
we don't want to be too welcoming to to away fans. I think having the big a big standing section behind a goal is something that would be very attractive to a lot of people. Which you know I'm going to mention. We'll come to the next question here as well. I know it was mentioned last night. There's been a bit of talk online of it today, um, about the the Derek McInnes mentioned the atmosphere, particularly at Petodri. Uh, Petodri obviously will end up becoming Kingsford, uh, so it becomes a it becomes an ongoing conversation. Uh, so Tom, the million dollar question is: What can be realistically done to improve the atmosphere at Aberdeen football games, home games? That is, of course. It's a very good question, and we have tried a number of things over a number of years. Um, I mean, I think it's probably a, a question for the whole Scottish football. That, uh, as to what you can do to make it a more hospitable place, what you can do to make it a day rather than you know turn up, pay your money, watch the football, go home. Um, I'm not a fan of people in sport going, it works in X sport, why don't we try it in football, with the exception of fan experience. If you look at what um, they do for... You know, big rugby internationals. If you look at what um, even the, the uh, even MLS clubs do in the states, um, and you know it's night and day with what they do in Germany, where it's a day, it's turn up early, uh, take the family. There's all sorts of things happening on the day. There's um, discounts in the, in the club shop. If you turn up on the day, you can buy a ticket for the next game at a discount. If you turn up. Um, you know, early, obviously, in a lot of parts of the world, there's an accept, what's deemed an acceptable drinking culture where you can have a pint without feeling like you're going to rush the pitch and stab someone. I, I think what, what will translate into a good atmosphere in the stadium is making people feel like it's not just another game, it's not just turning up uh, and uh, and, yeah, I mean, if you, if you go to any, uh, if you go back to your memory to the, the best atmospheres you've ever had in Pataudry, it was always well, where it felt like an event. It wasn't like we turned up and magically a, a great atmosphere occurred, even if it was a, you know, a, a, a huge crowd. I mean, the examples could be, obviously the, some of the European games had a great atmosphere, but even like the Friday night games, the, you know, the, the, the game against the Furman when, um, Scott Vernon killed them um, on, on the Friday night game. It just felt like an event. The atmosphere was great, and that was a game against them firmly. So I think it's much more... It's not necessarily about what we do in the stadium. It's just getting people to feel like this is a big deal. This is not the cinema. This is not the theatre. It's like a gig. It's like, you know, you, it's something live. It's something that's happening, and of the moment. I think there's always a bit of revisionism uh, when talking about great atmospheres. I think there are occasions, uh, Tom mentions that Friday night game against Unfermond, I think there was like 8,500 people in the, uh, in the stadium, but yeah, people were enjoying themselves. It was a, quite a warm September night, as I recall, and that translated. The goals got, you know, it was actually quite an occasion for us to score four in those days under Craig Brown, lest we forget. But <laughs> at no real point in history, have run-of-the-mill home games against the likes of Hamilton, for example, ever had great atmospheres. It's it's total revisionism to suggest that uh, they did. In fact, what used to happen is there'd just be half the amount of people that we get now inside the ground because there wasn't the season ticket culture that meant that people turned up every week. You'd get six, 7,000 for the likes of Hamilton and then you'd get 30,000, 35,000 for Rangers or Celtic. 
right now there are things we could do better. It's partly a mindset thing, though, isn't it? There's an expectation now with Aberdeen that uh, we are going to win these games. So it's a sit back and entertain me kind of kind of thought to it. That 4-0 against Dunfermline and came in the middle of one of the poorest periods for Aberdeen ever. So any time we win a game 4-0 there, that was practically like a cup final uh, right now. Big games, get big atmospheres, fail to perform in big games though, and it doesn't necessarily follow that big crowds get you big atmospheres. Um, and I think that's... McInnes again last night referenced the Kilmarnock half-time reaction, which obviously we discussed last week. As I said last week, I don't think he would have been giving gentle words of encouragement to his own players at half-time. But I tell you what, when they came out for the second half, they got a cheer. They got roared back on for the second half. And as soon as they won a corner at the start of the second half, there was a bit of atmosphere on the ground as well. So it's not as if, you know, when when the chips really were down, the support was there with them. It's not as if they turned their back on them. But... I think the paying public are absolutely entitled to boo. And as much as I say that throughout history that we wouldn't have got a great atmosphere against the Hamilton, equally, put in a performance like we did for the first half against Kilmarnock at any point over the past 30 years, and whatever the team's done recently, they would have been getting booed off at half-time as well. I think that's very fair. I mean, you, you mentioned that they've, they've tried lots of things as well. Um, with the tried flag day this season, it didn't really catch on. The idea of having, you know, making it an event is is probably the thing that's going to be the biggest thing going forward, especially for Kingsford. Personally, I will say that I don't think it'll ever happen in my lifetime though, where they'll be serving alcohol inside grounds. Um, I just in Scotland, I just can't see it happening. Um, I don't think that's a thing. I think safe standing would probably be the best way to go. But it certainly is. It certainly is. Um, there is some things that could be done, and it's it's good that the club are actually listening, because uh, there is there is a worry. And we, when we mentioned it last week, it felt it felt there was a lack of engagement. So it certainly is something going forward. Um, and obviously, we talk about the atmosphere. Uh, well, we have a we have a Scottish Cup game coming up on Sunday, but we were inviting back an old friend to to Pataudry where we play the lower league strugglers, Dundee United. Now we've not seen these this lot in a while, have we, Richard? Um, they're they're struggling. They're set. They're second in their league. They're fourteen points off St Mirren. It'll be good to have them back us for once, won't it? Um, you're really looking forward to it. You've been you've been gagging for those games since the draw, haven't you? I was I was gagging for them. For them to get in my way. I mean, coming up here, I don't particularly. You know, I'm not that enamoured with it. But yeah, if it was away, I'd be all over it. No, it's it's a half decent draw. It's a shame it's uh, it's on TV. Obviously, four thirty on Sunday is not a, not a fantastic kickoff time either. It'll be a different challenge. I mean, St Mirren came up here and, and attacked, which obviously suited us. I'm not quite sure Dundee United will have quite the same joie de vivre and uh, really try and go for it, which is probably going to make a less entertaining spectacle. In all honesty, you have to seek out championship highlights these days if you want to watch it. So I don't see too much of Dundee United. I know, however, that obviously they've lost uh, both Fraser and Fivey to, to injuries over the past few weeks. And that's been a, a big bump in their, in their road towards uh, the playoffs, you'd have to assume now. It's a game we should be winning. It's a game we should be winning fairly comfortably as well. It's, it's impossible to know what sort of level they are at, but we dealt very comfortably with St Mirren. But as I say, I think 
Simone did sort of play into her hands a little bit and really were uh, quite poor defensively that day. I think the emphasis from the visitors on Sunday will be on defence and it will probably be not dissimilar to last Saturday's game against Hamilton in that if we get the first goal fairly early, I think we'll have a a fairly comfortable afternoon. But the longer it goes nil-nil... The more the home crowd and its usual way will get on the back of the players and it could be it could be an uncomfortable afternoon. I think we've got enough creativity, enough talent on the pitch to to make things happen and um, I, th- I thoroughly expect us to, to go through with a, with a goal or two to spare. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be very interesting to see what kind of Dundee United team comes up. I mean, from the start of the season they were rightly favourites to win, the, win, win promotion, win the title... Um, they changed manager. They've overhauled the squad again, but you know the wheels do look like they've fallen off in recent weeks. And you know, as much as St Mirren were saying a couple of weeks ago that you know that it's great to have a, a, a shot and be able to, you know, Jack Ross saying it's good to be able to test themselves against a, a, a top um, Premiership side. Um, their focus has to be on getting promoted. Now St Mirren look like they're all but sorted at the, at the top of the uh, league. Dundee United don't. In recent weeks, they've really struggled. I mean, ever since um, Shaba did the fabled tearing into his players after a, a pretty handsome win, um, it does seem like they've, they've lost a lot of confidence. They were you know, they were absolutely hammered by Martin. They were pretty easily beaten by St Mirren. Uh, and they've had a couple of rough results recently. Their, I mean, their focus has to be on the league. Whether they see this as a bit of respite and a bit of a chance to, um, you know, to to get close on their reputation back after recent weeks and show that they are a, a, a top light site in, in waiting, um, or whether it's an unwelcome distraction from the, the task in hand is is kind of one of the subplots of it. Um, you know, as you say, I think. If we play to our potential, it should be fairly comfortable. They've been seen off by some sides less, you know, significantly uh, weaker sides than, than we are in, in recent weeks. They've got some good players. They've got some, still got some good young players. They've got some experience. Um, how they'll set up, who knows? Uh, I think they probably will be. It's like the more cautious they are. They have been this season slightly more disciplined. Um, in theory than, than St Mirren have but St Mirren have been able to play very fluid passing football and Dundee United haven't really managed to do anything other than and play on the counter um, I, but like you say I, I think we've got better players I, I think the front line seems to be firing and the fact that we're at home should mean we have too much for them can't really, add, can't really add much more to that. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll, we will have too much for them as well. Um, it'll be nice to see them once, once this season. That's probably enough for us all. Uh, we'll be, we'll have a minute by minute for you on Sunday. Um, I'm sure if we go through, which I'm positive we will, uh, we'll also have the draw for you as well. Tom Watt, I just want to say thanks again for coming on. It's been too long. Hopefully we'll have you on a lot sooner next time. Thank you very much for having me again. Thanks always, Richard, for joining me as well. Cheers, man. Been a pleasure, guys. We'll hear from you next week. Come on, you Reds. 